real estate was really hot, especially apartment buildings the last two, three, four years. And I've wanted to push apartment investing really hard. And I have. And now since we've seen this decline and this shift in the market, it's required us to ask, okay, what is our main goal? Let's get ready to scale. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today. I am very excited to be bringing you an up-and-coming uh, entrepreneurial real estate professional by the name of Caleb Johnson. Caleb is the founder of Red Sea Capital. He actually started off in sales and marketing for NK Development Group. He's also the host of the podcast Trial to Triumph, which I think is a wonderful name. And he has a uh, a portfolio already that extends across Texas, Arizona, Oklahoma, and New Mexico. And he's coming to us from Phoenix, Arizona. And the reason I'm very excited about this discussion is I normally would not ask a guest this, but Caleb, uh, would you tell us how old are you? Mm -hmm. Hi, Janet. I'm uh, 25 years old. That is super impressive. I love the fact that you are such a go-getter. So I thought it'd be really interesting today to talk about you know, the fact that there's a lot of misconceptions about younger generations not having any interest in real estate investing or not being in a position to get into real estate investing. Uh, so before we kind of jump right into that part of the discussion, do you want to just briefly share with us your history and how you ended up in real estate investing to begin with? Yeah, I'm happy to do that. And thank you for having me, Janet. It's a pleasure to be here. The way I got started in real estate investing um, was really because of my parents and my parents were not entrepreneurs. My dad's worked for the government for over 30 years and my dad or my mom has been a physical or a occupational therapist assistant for about 15 years. And the reason I say that my parents kind of led me to that was because I saw what my parents had and I did not want that for myself. Uh, and especially that got exacerbated when my mom had bilateral uh, knee replacements. So she had both of her knees replaced and she was forced out of work for about three months. She was about 60 years old at the time. So she was starting to prepare for retirement. And so she started to live off of her savings for uh, about three months. And then at the end of the three months, she could not continue to afford to live off of her savings and continue to plan for retirement. So she was forced to go back to work and being on her feet for six hours uh, a day. And then she'd come home just in tears from uh, all the physical pain, the stress. And that did two things for me that showed me that I did not want that for myself. And I didn't want, want to show my future children that either, you know, that that's what they had to look forward to. And additionally, the second thing was I wanted to help her financially retire uh, early on time, whatever that looked like. So that was my real big why starting off. And then whatever was going to get me those results, that's what I wanted to do. And then real estate uh, just presented itself. And uh, that's how I got started. Wow. That's a really powerful story. Um, and I really appreciate you sharing it. And I also commend you for being a good son. Um, and, you know, that's a great segue into, um, you know, talking about these misconceptions. So I think you just, you know, uh, immediately identified one of them. So one misconception, I think, 
that people tend to have, uh, you know, of the younger generation is that they don't have the same type of value system as older generations, but in a negative way, you know, thinking that, oh, the younger generation just doesn't want to work. Um, you know, they're not motivated. They're not driven. And clearly your story, you know, stands in contradiction to that right away. So that's one misconception, um, you know, that I'm happy for us to dispel right here mm -hmm. and now. Uh, what do you think are some of the other misconceptions that people have about the younger generation as far as real estate investing goes? Well, I think uh, a big part of that is people don't think, well, how how can I do that? How can I acquire millions of dollars of real estate before you know I'm in my early 20s? Um, and if you don't have any experience, if, if you don't have any money, especially too, that's a big factor because as you know, we do need capital to acquire these buildings. Um, so finding a mentor is really just a big, uh, was big in my journey to start off. So in starting smaller too, I started with residential, uh, uh, multifamily and, uh, a four unit. And so just starting off and scaling kind of from there. And then I found someone that was six months ahead of me. You know, I think some people, they want to find a mentor, but it's really important to understand uh, the type of mentor they should be looking for. So if someone's just starting off, not going to a Grant Cardone and trying to learn from them, but maybe just find someone that's six months ahead of you. And I do think um, looking back on it now, it uh, was really important for me to start investing in apartment buildings and really just getting to that level because that's really where, for me, that was my goal to generate wealth and uh, passive income through apartment buildings. And so because apartments and commercial real estate, it's uh, easier to, I'd say, control because if you have a single family home, the way that property is valued is off of the comps around it. So uh, looking and scaling and understanding what my goal was and realizing that apartments was the route for me to take um, was big for, for my growth. So finding a mentor to, to start off was really important for me. And additionally, asking how can I get this done? Um, Interesting. I so just to kind of summarize real quick. So what you're saying is the initial misconception is that you just you just can't do it right. Like, oh, how am I going to be able to do this? And you're saying that basically the way you were able to dispel that misconception that you just simply cannot do it was to start off by first identifying a mentor that could actually help you get started. That's that right? right. That's right. Finding someone that had what I wanted and then uh, just finding out how they did it. All right. Perfect. I think. I think it's fair to say, too, another misconception at any age, but particularly I think it's more intimidating when you are younger, is the idea that you can't afford to do it, right? Mm -hmm. So where did you actually first, you know, uh, how did you have the capital initially to kind of the seed money, if you will, to get yourself started? Mm -hmm. So my mom taught me um, the way that you handle money is 10% goes to tithe. 30% goes to savings. And then the rest is you can do what you want with it. And for me, I had been saving since I was a kid. And I think my parents blessed me with uh, the responsibility to, if I want to buy something, I need to save money for it and I need to buy it. Um, so that instilled in me to save capital at an early age. And so my first deal, I needed about $12,000 to acquire that property and so I had that saved up by the time I was 19, 20 years old. And 
if someone doesn't have that, though, there are other avenues they can take to um, generate capital or still get into some of these large apartment buildings or whatever deals they want to get into um, with no capital. And so that could be adding value, be it bring the deal, maybe raise some capital from their friends and family and uh, adding value any other way that that they can. Yeah, for sure. I, I know that that's um, that's something that a lot of people are interested in doing. It's definitely much easier said uh, than it is actually done. Uh, but it's that's a solid point that even if you don't have the capital to do it, you can get creative in finding other ways to get yourself, you know, broken into, if you will, the business. Now, I see that you also actually uh, started off in the business. Uh, working for a development group. And so I think that uh, recognizing too, you don't have to have one or the other, you can also blend it, right? You can find a way to have, quote, your day job that's going to help lend itself towards your own business that you ultimately are trying to develop, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. And that company wasn't primarily development. That was uh, the founder's initial goal, but that did turn into more of a value-add apartment building company. And they do development too at the at the same time, but it was uh, just a good opportunity for me to get my foot in the door. And again, if someone is just starting off, you know, kind of just being around the business and understanding how that all works, maybe going a different route um, from what you initially thought you know, if you initially thought you want to get into value add apartments, maybe being around um, a development opportunity that just comes to you might be advantageous uh, to you at that time. Yeah, very true. Um, I definitely know that real estate investing requires uh, flexibility and you have to be able to adapt quickly because it's just a that's the nature of the industry. Right. Um, for sure. For sure. Now, before we jump into kind of some other portions of the conversation, I'd really like to hear your advice. Um, what advice you know you would give to parents actually that are trying to encourage you know their their young adult children or even their teenagers you know into recognizing both the the power and potential that lies behind real estate investing and ideally even a dedication to it. So, what advice would you give that you think really helped influence your decision to move in this direction? Mm -hmm. I think a big portion of that was just seeing that it's possible. You know, I think so many parents and so many people, um, they can limit what uh, might they think is possible. So if someone sees a mansion, they might think, oh, well, that person's rich or they had a silver spoon in their mouth. But if uh, someone's a parent and they want to spur on growth towards real estate or just showing their children there's more opportunities than just a job, I think it's really important just to just drop little seeds and say, oh, well, they let's say the child really likes that big house and they think, wow, that's so cool. You think the, the parent can say, oh, you can have that someday. Or how do you think they did that? And start just asking little questions like that and really instilling in them the belief that they can do it. I think that is the biggest thing. Um, and it's free too that that a parent can do to really just spur on that growth and get that child starting to think about how they can do it. Excellent advice. I definitely appreciate that. Uh, I have a son around your age and I have uh, some daughters that are even younger uh, so that's good advice. I'm going to put some of that into practice. Now, um, I am also interested about kind of some of the challenges that I'm sure you've run into. I'm sure you've heard uh, some objections as you've established your business and have started to grow 
you know, uh, your portfolio and, and develop out your investor base. And, you know, rather at any age, I, I think these are challenges, you know, that people can face uh, because they're common objections that you encounter any time you've started a new business and you're trying to become, you know, really established as a real estate professional and a sponsor and an operator. So before we jump into that, though, let's go ahead and take a quick break from our sponsor, which is, of course, Blue Lake Capital. Ready to Scale is brought to you by Blue Lake Capital, where we hunt down the best multifamily investment opportunities that we can find and invite investors to join in with us. We target Class B value-add multifamily properties across the Sun Belt. Our CEO, Ellie Perlman, invests a substantial amount of capital into every deal. This means our interests are aligned with yours. If you're an accredited investor looking to expand your portfolio and diversify sponsors, be sure to visit us at bluelake-capital.com. Blue Lake Capital, be bold, be extraordinary, and keep moving forward. All right. So Caleb, what do you say when you are approaching a potential investor and they say to you, you're too inexperienced? Well, I, I do think that is a value, valid uh, point from anybody. And if I'm investing my own capital, I do want to see that they have some experience and wherewithal, especially with that asset class. Now, if, if someone says that to me, um, I will say that, and I do want this to actually be true, is that I have someone on my team that has gone through those market cycles. They do have that experience so that I can leverage that person's experience and capital and say, hey, this person has invested in the deal and they see the value in it. And that's what I'm basing um, this offering off of. It's not my own knowledge or, or experience. This person is saying there's an opportunity here as well. And I think that's uh, something that I have especially leveraged um, starting off. Yeah, excellent advice. And I know that that is a uh, tried and true, really best practice, I would even say, uh, within especially multifamily syndication is, you know, really leveraging those relationships and having the right partners in place to help, you know, bring about your own growth, um, you know, and your involvement with, you know, various deals uh, that you get to bring to investors for sure. Now, of course, another one that I think I'm assuming you probably have at least heard once is, have you ever been told that you're too young? Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like I, I probably get told that at least two or three times a week. <laughs> well, and how do you let that not become demoralizing and how do you, uh, you know, address that concern? Well, uh, the first thing I say to that, especially mentally, is just, well, praise God, what a blessing. Um, and I, at first, I would get discouraged by that. And I would think, well, that's how am I going to overcome this? And um, I actually kind of realized that it can be a great opportunity. If I want to, at least when it comes to, let's say, if I want to guest on a podcast, uh, leveraging that I've acquired X amount of dollars of real estate before the age of 25 or, or whatever that is, uh, that is. So that's something that I've been able to leverage. And also it's kind of, um, I don't know what, maybe I don't want to say it's a chip on my shoulder, but thinking, well, I'm going to prove them wrong, right? If someone says, well, you're too young to do this. Well, okay, well, I'm going to prove them wrong. And that's just how we're going to play that. Yeah, very good. Very good. I actually would say too, um, you know, that I do think there are some advantages to actually being 
uh, frankly, uh, you know, younger, uh, you know, which, for example, technology, you know, being able to adapt to and utilize technology very efficiently, very comfortably, you know, that's what I would say is an advantage sometimes uh, for younger owner and operators than say some of the more seasoned ones that really um, still, you know, are struggling to figure out how to download things on their computers, right? <laughs> so there's there's definitely some pros and cons. And I think that you have a good attitude when you're looking at that. So now let's talk about how you actually jumped into this and, you know, really took it from, I think I want to do this to I'm doing this. So first of all, how did you decide which asset you were going to focus on? Well, to start off, I really had um, limitations, right? Starting off with very low capital, no experience. And, and the first offering I acquired was a fourplex that I lived in one unit and rented out the other three units. And that was really to get my foot in the door. And then from there, scaled and bought a retail facility. Um, I did another house hack with the duplex. And after about three years of residential, I moved into commercial and the way I started my commercial journey was I thought I would raise capital. And it's it's kind of funny, you know, you'll hear this story often is that people think they can raise capital all day long and then they start calling people. And I've heard it go two ways. One, it goes really well and they raise a million dollars on their first raise or no one wants to invest. And for me, it was the latter. I, I thought I had been networking for all this time and I had all these connections and relationships and when I called them, no one wanted to invest. And uh, the way I got around that was, again, asking, okay, well, I still want to be in the space, so how can I get this done? And from there, I started learning underwriting uh, from a mentor and a partner of mine. And then I started bringing off-market opportunities. And I'm happy to talk more about that, just how I've been able to leverage that. And we closed five assets in about uh, 12 months, um, four of those being off-market that uh, I sourced um, through broker relationships. So that was how I got my foot into the uh, commercial real estate space. Excellent. I love it. I love the fact that you are um, being humble about your experience. I think sometimes people make it sound like it's oh so easy and it's absolutely not. And there's always some kind of challenge or obstacle that you have to navigate through. Uh, so, and since you touched on it and opened the door to it, I will walk in. So what would you say are some of these strategies that you've implemented to identify, you know, these off-market opportunities? Mm -hmm. The way I started doing that was uh, I went to, I found a market that I wanted to invest in and I would go to these free resources like LoopNet and Crexy, which is really just the MLS for commercial real estate. And it's a free resource and I would go on there and if I knew what my buying criteria was, let's say I wanted a 20 unit apartment building, then I would go on there and I would actually write down all the broker's contact information and uh, their name, email, and I would call them. And if I did like the offering, I would say, hey, can you send me a rent roll T12? And if I didn't, I would still ask them, okay, do you know anyone else that does want to sell, you know, a property with this criteria? And some of those uh, relationships, you know, after calling them the first call, some of them did have an opportunity. Others took a little bit longer. You know, they brought an offering maybe six months or uh, a little bit longer of me building that relationship and calling them every two to three months and just touching base and saying, hey, I've, I've spoken with you in the past about properties in the 20 plus unit range. I'm just touching base to see if you have anything available. And that's also spurred a lot of those off-market opportunities. And then these brokers actually agreed to let you essentially help them in 
either promoting the deal or what was the, the nature of the relationship that you were establishing with the brokers? What was their role versus yours? Well, their role was that they had the relationships with the sellers and my role was that I was a buyer. So I was coming to them as a buyer and, you know, we already, I would leverage a partner's experience if I needed to. Some of these opportunities, they were fairly smaller, uh, let's say 16 to 30 units. So you, at that level, you do, sometimes you do need to leverage a partner's experience and say, we already own in this market, or we already own XYZ amount of apartment buildings. Um, but usually when you're in the smaller space, your, your bio and your rap sheet isn't as important uh, compared to if you're acquiring a 200 unit apartment building. Sure, for sure. All right, good. And then what about the funding? How did you get these deals funded? So the funding was I brought these off-market opportunities to uh, an experienced operator that had the uh, partners and the network and the wherewithal to raise the capital. They brought the KP. Um, and so that's how a lot of these deals got funded. And I did have uh, some relationships with uh, limited partners that I knew uh, from church or just friends and family. And so I was able to raise that, but that was uh, a minimal amount. And the majority was from uh, partners. All right. Great. It's a very uh, smart and creative strategy uh, at really, you know, finding a way to, uh, to claim your space, you know, within the industry and then grow from there. So let's talk about growing from there. What's your strategy now? And how do you plan on, you know, utilizing everything that you've done to this point to getting where you're trying to go moving forward? Mm -hmm. I love that question. And what we're doing today is we've realized that there's been about a 50% uh, decrease in transactions compared to 2022 to 2023. And we're in about uh, Q2 of 2023. And so to do that, we've wanted to really get out of uh, our box. And what I mean by that is the apartment box. So Real estate was really hot, especially apartment buildings the last two, three, four years. And I've wanted to push apartment investing really hard. And I have. And now since we've seen this decline and this shift in the market, it's required us to ask, okay, what is our main goal? Is our main goal to buy apartment buildings or is, or is our main goal to generate wealth and passive income? And I would say it's to generate wealth and passive income. And so then asking the question, okay, apartment investing is not getting us there now. So what is going to get us there? So we've looked at other asset classes such as uh, student housing or short-term rentals for the cash flow. And not to put off apartment investing, we still want to um, build relationships with brokers and sellers, especially in emerging markets that we see has um, job growth and some good bones, especially, you know, the city wants to spur on uh, jobs and businesses coming to their city. So they're giving tax incentives and there's more money coming into the city. So we want to start building relationships with sellers and brokers that are in those markets so that whenever, let's say, uh, Q3, Q4 of 2023, or even next year or the subsequent year that uh, we have those relationships in those emerging markets that we want to deploy capital. And so we want to uh, still be flexible uh, where we go now and continue to um, source off-market opportunities for apartment uh, buildings down the road. Well, good, good. Yeah, I think that 
Um, you know, realizing your overall goal is extremely important and it doesn't always have to uh, look exactly the same to continue to stay focused on that goal as a whole. So I think that's really good that you kind of just took a step back and reevaluated that. Uh, I will definitely admit as a larger owner and operator of multifamily properties, um, you know, the, the competitiveness now within the market has definitely shifted. Um, and it's not a reason to think that you need to be discouraged or that you can't ultimately continue to, you know, acquire and manage, you know, multifamily assets, um, you know, in your portfolio, maybe down the road, but, but the, 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 it's tight, it's hard out there right now. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just think it's important that, you know, you're, you're keeping a good attitude about it and a good mindset about it and continuing to find ways to add to your success. Uh, you know, even if it means that you're going to pivot, you know, to slightly different assets, I think that's great. Mm -hmm. So very cool. Very cool. Well, Caleb, uh, last but not least, we have what we call the lightning round questions. They are five questions that I ask all of our guests. So are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Perfect. Okay. So first of all, what do you actually do for fun? What's a hobby of yours? Wow. Um, for fun, I, I'm very involved with church and so mission trips. I love to travel. I just got back from a trip to Maui. So uh, love to travel, love mission trips, and just helping other people. And that's what really uh, fills my heart. So that's what I would say. Great. Great. Well, I think that's wonderful. Now, when it comes to real estate investing, what is a book that you would highly recommend everyone needs to include in their library? Well, speaking about emerging real estate markets, uh, David Lindell actually uh, wrote a book called Emerging Real Estate Markets. And it's a really good book, I would especially say for where we are in the market. And that's uh, a book I'm investing in currently. Okay, great, great. Now, uh, I also like to try to find fun facts out about people. So what would you say is something about you that most people don't know? Hmm, I, well, I enjoy fishing. Um, gosh, I, I don't like snow. I guess that's a fun fact. I, I like seeing snow, but getting cold and wet with my socks and clothes, I'm just not a big fan. So, um, yeah. So you're going to continue to probably stay uh, down south. Got it. <laughs> yep. In the 70 degrees, I am happy. Yeah, no doubt. All right. And, you know, one of the things that we try to focus on here at Blue Lake is that this is not just about money. It's really about building, you know, an extraordinary life and being very intentional on that. So what would you say is your advice for people that want to build an extraordinary life? Asking yourself what you really want and then asking yourself how to get it. So I think a lot of people, they'll start uh, investing time into something and then maybe two years down the road, they have success in that, but then they realize, well, I'm still unhappy. So ask yourself really what makes you happy, what makes you uh, filled and what makes your heart full and then ask yourself, okay, what do I need to do to accomplish that? And I think that'll save a lot of people time and uh, money. Yeah, great advice. All right. And then last but not least, if our listeners want to get in touch with you, where can they find you? So the best place to find us is uh, looking at our podcast, which is called From Trial to Triumph, uh, or you can visit us at redccapitalgroup.com and just learn more about us there. All right. Excellent. Well, Caleb, thank you very much for sharing your insights and your experience. I definitely appreciate it. 
and I'm sure our listeners do too. And for those of you that tuned in today, we thank you very much. Uh, please don't forget to like, rate, and review the show. Feel free to email us some questions if you like at info at bluelake-capital.com. And in the meantime, continue to be bold, be extraordinary, and keep moving forward. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.